Good morning, everyone. Uh, each week uh, during Advent this year, we're looking at something from the beginning of uh, one of the four Gospels. And we're doing that because those uh, opening lines, those opening scenes of the Gospels uh, tell us a lot about what it meant and about what it means now uh, for Jesus to come to people like us. So we've looked at, at Mark's picture of John and we've looked at Luke's picture of Mary. And this morning we're going to look at Matthew's picture of Joseph. So I'm going to read from Matthew's gospel, uh, the first chapter, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask uh, now that you would meet us in this word that we have read and heard together, that we're going to talk about together, uh, that you would meet us in this word as we think about it, and that you would lead us to the word uh, who bears our flesh, the word who became one of us. Father, show us his grace. Meet us uh, in whatever places we find ourselves, in whatever situations we are in, and show us his grace and change us by it again. Help us to trust him. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, uh, I have a friend who was at one time a, uh, a ranked tennis, high school tennis player. Uh, and I played tennis with this friend uh, one time. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but watching a few matches of tennis on TV uh, is not adequate preparation for actually playing the game of tennis, uh, especially if you're playing with someone who's really good. And so as soon as uh, he and I started playing, it was obvious that I needed some pointers. Uh, so <laughs> he gracefully came around uh, to my side of the net and he showed me some things, some very simple things like how to hold the racket <laughs> and how to hold my wrist and my arm and how to swing the racket. Uh, and he didn't do this in any kind of condescending way at all. As a matter of fact, once he had showed me all of this stuff, I really felt like I could be uh, competitive with him, um, which was absolutely false. He crushed me very quickly 
Um, but that's not the point. The point is that he uh, showed solidarity with me in my situation. He came to me to help me. And uh, I thought about it that this week as I read this story um, in Matthew's gospel again and thought about it again. I mean, we, we are told in the story not once um, but two times that this child that Mary is carrying is from the Holy Spirit. And uh, we are told that this child should be named Jesus, uh, which means God saves, and he should be named Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And we're told that this child is Emmanuel, that he is God with us. And all of this uh, conspires together in Matthew's story into this remarkable, audacious insistence that God has come to us to help us. But, you know, even, even saying it like that doesn't really even capture the half of it. It's not even enough to say that. I mean, my friend's uh, simple act on the tennis court helped me, um, but his solidarity with me could only go so far. But Jesus' solidarity with us, um, it was, and it is right now, a complete and full solidarity. He became our brother. And the mystery of this and the joy of this is at the heart of the story that Matthew tells. He begins now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And uh, his story is told from a very different perspective than Luke's story, the one that we read together last week. Uh, but one of the things that these two stories do share is this, uh, uh, in this same word of comfort that comes from the angel, don't be afraid. And you know the reasons for a man like Joseph to be afraid. Let's be honest, they're pretty great. He and Mary are betrothed. That's a, a legal agreement to be married. It's an agreement that usually lasted about a year. Um, but before they're married, uh, Mary is found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. Now, it's clear that Mary has communicated this to Joseph. Um, we don't know what he thought when he heard that story. Um, but it's clear that she has told him about this, or someone has. And you know what else is also clear? Is that it has uh, introduced great trouble into his life. You know, we know from Luke's gospel that after Mary hears that she's going to have a child, she goes to the hill country of Judea for a few months to be with her relative Elizabeth. And that means, of course, that Joseph is there in their little tiny hometown alone to listen to the whispers and to deal with the accusations and the questions that they have for him. He is alone in that little village, of course, with his own questions and his own shame about the story that he's heard, his own fear about what his life will look like. And you know, it's something, isn't it? It's something that this is how God chose to come to us. 
Given all of the limitless possibilities that were available, it is remarkable, at the very least, to realize that he chose to come to us in circumstances that are bathed in difficulty and in circumstances that are filled with trouble. And, you know, I I can't pretend to know all of the reasons that this is true, but I do know this. It signals to us that our God knows all of the difficulties that you and I face, whatever those difficulties are. He knows uh, the fear that we live with. He knows the shame that we feel. He knows the trouble of whatever the circumstances are around us. And he knows them not from afar. He doesn't know them intellectually. He knows them in flesh and blood, in our flesh and blood. And he knows them because he chose to enter into them in flesh and blood, in solidarity with us in complete, perfect, full solidarity with us. And church, this is true. This is the truth of what we profess always about Jesus. And in particular in this time, we profess the truth of the incarnation, that he is fully human with us. And I don't think that we can hear that enough. Because one of the effects that really believing that that's true has on people like us is that it helps us to rest in his good for us. It helps us to trust him because he knows. It helps us to trust him in particular when things are... uh, really bad or troublesome around us, in particular when we don't understand everything that's happening, when we wish we could be somebody else, somewhere else. Like no doubt Joseph did, um, the law was really clear what Joseph was supposed to do in this situation, both Jewish and uh, and uh, Roman law were very clear that if something like this happened during betrothal, um, you had to break off that agreement. You had to be divorced. The only question really was what kind of divorce was it going to be? Was it going to be a, a public one in the courts or was it going to be a private one with just a few witnesses? And what we need to know is that no matter what Joseph does, he, he loses something. No matter what he chooses, he is going to lose I mean, if he, if he divorces her in the courts, if he divorces her publicly, then Mary's life is ruined. There is no way that a young, unmarried mother would be able to recover from this in that world. But if he divorces her privately, he, he loses a substantial part of, of whatever the inheritance he gave away in order to be able to marry her. In either way, no matter what, whether he chooses public or or private, he loses his honor. He loses his, his reputation. And most of all, of course, he he loses Mary. But Joseph was a just man, you know, which means he was going to follow the law. He was going to do what was right according to the law. 
and he was also a good man, he was unwilling to put Mary to shame. And I think this is a beautiful, beautiful thing about Joseph. You know, the the child that Mary is carrying when he grows up to be a man, one day he challenges a group of really religious people, really super religious people. And this is what that child, when he's a man, says to them. He says, go and learn this. I desire mercy. And Joseph uh, somehow had already learned this. He already knew that that was what God desired of him was mercy. So this young carpenter decides to take the hit and keep the losses centered on himself as much as he possibly can. He resolves to divorce Mary quietly. He had determined to show mercy in a really bad situation. And you know, church, I think we have a a lot to learn from Joseph about what it means to be people of faith, about what it means to be a people whose impulse is always to choose mercy in really bad situations. And then, of course, he goes to sleep one night, (laughs) and he learns that this wild-eyed story that Mary has told him is all true. There's that word from the angel. He says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, Joseph, because what's conceived in her is born of the Holy Spirit. You know, until that moment, until he, his head at the pillow that night, the one thing that Joseph was sure of um, was that that baby was not his. And now he learns that the, the true matter of the situation, the real situation, is like nothing he had ever imagined before. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and you know, church, I think the real surprise here, the, the real startling thing here for us is not that a virgin conceived I mean, that is surprising, and that is startling. But the the real surprise, the thing that I think should surprise us every day of our lives is that God refuses to walk away from people like us. That's what this means. He refuses to walk away from people like us despite all of our obstinance, Despite our running away from him, despite us choosing things that hurt us and hurt the people around us, despite us nervously, frantically running after lesser gods that will never satisfy, he refuses to walk away from us. I mean, we're the ones who created the dilemma. We're the ones who locked the door behind us. And the mystery of the incarnation is the divine unlocking of it all. He will not walk away. Instead, what he chooses is to be knit into the womb of one of us and to be born like we were and to live like we do so that we can be remade into the people that we were created to be. 
He was made like his sisters. He was made like his brothers. He was made like you and me in every way so that he could be the faithful and merciful high priest in the service of God. Church, it is his complete solidarity with our humanity that enables him to lead us into life. As the angel says, Joseph, <laughs> you got to call him Jesus because he is going to save his people from their sins. And then Matthew breaks off in verses 22 and 23. He breaks off a little bit from his telling of the story with an aside um, to us as readers. Uh, it's, it's his way, I think, of helping us understand the mystery of the incarnation as fully as we can, not that we can really do too much fully understanding it. But he quotes this prophecy from Isaiah 7 about this virgin who conceives, who has a son that will be called Emmanuel, God with us. But for this child, for the one he's telling this story about, for Joseph and Mary's child, that is a name that does not point to something great that God will do for us. It is God doing that great thing for us. God with us, sweating and laughing and breathing and bleeding and dying and rising. God with us, standing beside us, staring into the dark waves of whatever it is you and I are staring into, he is beside us. And then he walks out in front of us into them for our good, for our forgiveness, for our healing forever. <laughs> and the invitation to us is always to follow behind him. To follow behind the God who is with us in repentance and faith. The invitation is always to trust him because he knows. To trust him, particularly when things do not make sense to us, when we wish we could be anywhere else, <laughs> when we wish we could be somebody else, it is to trust him again. So, like Mary did before him, Joseph allows his own will to be cut into by the God who is with him. He subsumes his own desires under the purposes of God. He trusts him. And so Joseph woke from sleep, and he did what the angel told him to do, and he named him Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, we, we hear this story again, and there are parts of it that feel like the back of our hand. We, we can relate so closely to feeling trouble and to feeling afraid and to feeling a sense of shame over things that have happened. And then there's this other part of the story um, that seems <clears throat> so foreign to us. 
and so mysterious and impenetrable that you, that you have become one of us in solidarity with us in order to redeem us. But Father, we, we ask now that you would make both pieces of this more dear to us, more familiar to us, that you would open it up more fully to us so that we could be a people who trust you. Who, who don't just hear that you have become one of us, who don't just hear that you are with us, but who fully and truly believe it in the way that we live our lives so that we would trust you. Father, we ask that you would do that uh, so that we could grow up in our faith. <laughs> and we ask that you would do that so that we could be a people through whom you love this broken world. And we pray it in the name of Christ. Amen.